We have been in this series of God in the City, and we are on part three. And our title this morning is God in the City, I have to check, <laughs> The Plan All Along. And we have been talking about what it looks like to be the church in the city, what it looks like to have God living in the city. And for those of you who may not be aware, and let me remind you, if I have to, that have been here, um, we have had the opportunity as a church, some of the men and some of the women here, to head down to Seattle and to partner with the Urban Gospel Mission um, to just take some time away and to what we call take an urban plunge and to spend three, four, five days down there and just integrate into what the mission does um, on a daily basis um, with their outreach to the people that live in the city, mainly with the homeless and with those in recovery, those um, who need to be in recovery, and just to kind of see what is God doing in the city and what can God do here in Everett, on Casino Road, with people who are willing to put their hands to work. And so from that premise, um, we're going to be looking again today at what God is doing in the city and his plan all along. So our scripture today is going to be found, you can put your finger in there, you can start turning if you want to, in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And I want to look at what God has gifted us, he desires for us to use as we encounter people in our daily lives. What God has given each one of us, he wants us to be able to use as we encounter people every day in our lives. He's given each one of us specific things so that we will take and use those things, those gifts, those talents, those abilities, and encounter people as we encounter people. He wants us to use those things and invest them in people to build his kingdom. So do we, did we get to Matthew 25? We're up there? Not quite. I'm going to be able to do this without my glasses this morning. I am seeing clearly. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. At least I've got them. Yep. All right. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. For for it is just like a man. Jesus was telling a parable. And he starts off saying, for it is just like a man. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who calls his own slaves and entrusts his possession to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. All right, we're going to stop there for a minute. Everyone received something. Everyone received something. 
So we see this man, and he's about to go on a journey. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is what it looks like. It looks like a master who's about to go on a journey. And so he gathers his slaves, and he says, I'm going to entrust you with something while I'm gone. And one he gives five talents to. A talent at that time was worth 15 years of a laborer's wage. That's a lot. So to one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, and to another one he gave one. Everybody got something according to his ability. Now I want you to understand something from the very beginning. These were slaves. These were not executives. These were not professionals. These were not the top of their class. These were just people. They were laborers. They were slaves. And everybody got something. The Bible says in Romans 12, 5 through 6, it says, So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. We've each been given something. And we're all one body, but we're each individuals, and we've each been given something. Exercise what you've been given accordingly. See, God who formed us specifically, he made us and he's given us each something. Specifically. And he delighted when he did it. He delighted over us when he created us. He was pleased. He said, it is good. It is very good. I thought about this while I was preparing, and I thought about Moses. And God told Moses, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and I'm going to have you get them out of Egypt, basically. I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh. I'm going to tell you to tell him, Let my people go. (laughs) And Moses said, "Uh, how am I going to do this? He's not going to believe me. And God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses, a shepherd at that time, looked and he said, it's a staff. See, Moses was holding on to a staff. And do you know what Moses did with that staff? Do you know how God used what Moses had in his hand? This is what he did. With that staff, he cast that staff down and that staff became a serpent. That staff turned the Nile into blood. That staff caused frogs to come up from the waters. With Moses' hand, he reached into a kiln, took out some soot, threw it to the sky, and boils covered all the people in Egypt. 
with that staff, he held it to the sky and thunder and rain and fire hit the earth. With that staff, he stretched it out over the land and wind came and carried locusts all over the land of Egypt. With that staff, he held it to the sky again, and it said that darkness that could be felt covered the land of Egypt for three days. With that staff, he divided the sea. And with that staff, he brought water from the rock. And with that staff, he won victory over Amalek in battle as his hands were raised. I ask us, what are you holding in your hand? What has God put in your hand? Let's continue reading our parable in Matthew 25. It says, now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. It was not the amount that was given that mattered. Faithfulness was what the master was looking for. The reward was the same. Right? The use we make of what we have been given is the measure of our capacity for more. We can't compare. We can't be busy comparing what one has been given and what another has been given. But instead we must acknowledge one another. First Corinthians 12 says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. It's a wonderful thing to be able to recognize our own strengths and our own weaknesses. And it's a wonderful thing to recognize that in one another. Because then you can dovetail together. My strength or my weakness and your strength, we make a pretty good team, right? My eye and your ear and your arm and your leg, we begin to make a pretty good body. But if I'm, if, if I'm trying to be your eye, and your eye, you know, this, that doesn't work. We only need so many eyes. We need to be able to recognize 
that we need one another. And that God's created the body specifically. And when we can acknowledge that, then we can work together. I was thinking of our plunge experience. I took our urban plunge experience. I took, um, I had the opportunity to lead the women in a group down to Seattle Gospel Mission. Um, probably been about a month now. And I took, there was five of us, five women. Um, I took some incredible women down there. And so pastor wanted me to talk this morning about uh, how God used my strengths on that team. Bless his heart. Oh, he set me up. <laughs> but, you know, um, we had a great group of women that went down. Uh, Colleen, Marley, uh, Heidi, myself, and uh, Roberta. I don't know if you know Roberta. She's from Mill Creek Foursquare, but another incredible uh, leader, and um, it was so amazing to see these women and how each one functioned differently. Now, I've been in leadership in some role or capacity since I was pretty young. Um, probably didn't recognize it when I was young, but I. I've done something since I was young. I, I led vacation Bible school in the neighborhood when I was 12 on the, in the backyard. You know, I, um, that's the youngest I can remember. Um, but all the way up through high school and through college, I've been involved in church and in high school, leading Bible, school, Bible, uh, Bible studies, you know, all the way up. Um, and this was a good experience, but... Basically, I was just able to take other leaders down to Seattle and to watch, turn them loose and watch them flourish in their elements. And um, it was just a privilege just to sit and watch each of them do as they do. At one moment, I was sitting in, in one place and I could hear Marley down the hall playing the piano and singing hymns and gathering women to herself. And then throughout the rest of the week, I would sit in the lunchroom with different women from Hope Place and I would introduce myself and they'd say, oh yeah, I met that lady. She was wonderful. We were singing hymns down the hall, you know, and they'd begin to tell me about Marley. And then Colleen, of course, the best friend of everybody, bless her heart. She is just amazing how she can make friends. You know, we'd be walking down the hall, and she'd say, oh, yeah, I met that woman, and, and she's just amazing. And then I'd be sitting again at lunch in the whole place, and, and I'd talk to another woman. She said, oh, yeah, have you met Colleen? And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's with me, you know, knows everybody, and has blessed everybody and prayed for everybody. And, and um, Heidi, I'd sit with her at lunch, and I would watch how in her quiet way she would interact with all the children and they would just they would just you know i tried to i'd sit there and try to have a conversation with the child and they would just kind of who's this strange woman you know but heidi she just has that gift of of interacting with kids and having conversations 
And I was just like, how does she do that? Um, but Heidi also brought an element of being able to, she works in that neighborhood, and she brought um, just real good information and clarity on on how things work in that element. And uh, we just really gleaned a lot of good information from her. Um, and Roberta, she she um, she was just soaking it in like a sponge. And I know that since she's been back at Mill Creek, she has been able to take and implement uh, processes and uh, such as she's worked with other women and worked in other areas of that church. She, it's just been incredible to watch what is taking place there. But um, my role there was basically go, take, sit, and watch. And it was pretty amazing um, to be able to go with these women and just say, oh, got to be here now and got to be there now. And um, I'm going to pay for the bus tickets, (laughs) you know. But they they were pretty amazing to go and to watch and to see how God uses each one um, individually. Um, we each have gifts. Let's continue on in our um, in our parable here in Matthew twenty five. We we all need one another. We need to be able to acknowledge the strength of one another, and. Uh, so it goes on and it says, And the one who had also received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and I gathered where I did not scatter, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. For from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, God entrusts us with these possessions. Just as the master entrusted his slave, God entrusts us with possessions to invest in the kingdom. God has entrusted us with possessions that he has given each one of us to invest in the kingdom. But how we perceive the master will affect what we do with what he has given us. How we understand and know God, our master, will affect what we do with what he's given us. Is our attitude that God can do nothing with us, with what he has entrusted with us? You know, Moses said to God, oh, but I am slow of speech. God said, you go and you tell. And Moses said, oh, but 
I'm, I'm not very good at talking to people. Oh, it's the wrong thing to say. If I remember right, God got pretty angry. He still made a way, though. Do we blame God? Or accuse God? Think of this for a moment. Maybe for that person we've prayed for that was never healed. Okay, God, I've been out there trying to do your work. But, you know, I've, I've never had anyone healed when I've prayed for them. So I don't do that anymore. You know, I've tried to witness for you before, God, but nothing ever comes of it. So I'm not doing that anymore. I never see anything transformed. Do you think he's asking us to sow without ever seeing a reaping? Do you think he's expecting to reap where he hasn't sown? Like that last slave? Have we given up or stopped trying because of disappointment or frustration or because we don't see what he sees in us? See, that last slave, his own words condemned him. His own words condemned him. Matthew 7 says, For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. God is not a ruthless slave driver. He knows what he's given each one of us. He doesn't ask something that is impossible. That he will not provide a way for. The slave said, I knew you to be a hard man. Those words, I knew you. See, people can know of God, right? We can know of God. And people can have the wrong idea of who God is, right? Or people can know God personally and intimately. When I was out on the plunge, they have these rescue vans that go out in the evenings. They send out six vans all over the greater Seattle area. And um, in these vans, they have, um, in the back of them, they have hot chocolate. They have uh, different food supplies, bags made up with different food supply snacks. They have fresh sandwiches. They have blankets. They have clothing. And so these rescue vans go out at night. And... Um, they stop at very specific places, and uh, people are expecting these vans. P- homeless people, people that live on the streets, are expecting these vans. And so usually a small crowd will gather, and um, you can hand out all this wonderful stuff. Um, basically, the hope is you can talk someone into coming off the streets to getting the help they need um, and to changing so that they can change their lifestyle and they can... Uh, They can live differently, and mostly that they can know Jesus. And so um, we had the opportunity as our group of women to go out in one of these vans. In these vans, they, um, they, they pull up, and they hop out, and they, they uh, say, sometimes they say, love is here, because on the side of the van is this big thing that says, that's 
says love, you know, or they'll they'll shout out urban gospel mission, you know. But the the driver we had that night, or not the driver, the the woman in charge of the program was riding with us that night. Her name was Kim. And um, I just loved riding with her. I got to sit right behind her, so I kind of got to hear the conversation between the driver and her. And both of them had been doing this for years. And Kim had come off the street. She had been through the program, and she does this because this is where her heart is. She knows exactly what life is like on the streets, and she knows um, what it takes to, to be persistent and to love in this manner. And so I got to sit behind the driver and her and just interact with them for the evening and listen. And listening to them, it was so fascinating. You know, they would talk about, you know, they'd talk back and forth and they'd say, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. And they'd say, oh, yeah, well, I heard that they've moved to this other this other side of town, you know, or and they'd say, oh, we packed a special, I packed a special bag for this lady. I hope we see her tonight. You know, and these are homeless people that shift and that move and that, that live under tarps and that, you know, I'm wondering in my mind, how do they keep track of all these people? How do they know these people by name? You know, but they have established relationships with these people for years. Um, and I'm just kind of go, it's boggling my mind. The care that they have given these people consistently, you know, I'm, and I'm just listening to the love and the care go back and forth. And so we make a number of stops in the evening and just are, are, um, just trying to just, you know, interact with people and get to know people, you know, and we know for us, you know, this time it's just a one time thing, um, Although, you know, many of us would like to make it more regular. Um, but at this point, you know, that night was just going to be a one-time thing, and we're just kind of trying to get used to the process. And um, the thing, though, that struck me about Kim is that she knew so well all these people. And, we, and by the end of the night, though, you know, um, we'd be pulling away from something, and we'd be going down the street. And this is down, you know, in Seattle, the U District. And we'd be driving down the street, and all of a sudden, Kim would see someone walking down the road. And she said, that guy looks hungry. Stop the van. Stop the van. And, I mean, we'd be going down the street. And, and so Susie, the driver, she'd stop the van, and she'd hang out the window. And she'd say, hey, you. Hey, you, are you hungry? And sometimes they'd say yes, sometimes they'd say no. But if he was hungry, she'd stop the van, she'd get out, she'd go open up everything, pull out everything the guy needs, and get them all set up. Hey, you! Hey, you, are you hungry? And I was so struck at the moment at how she stopped for the one. She stopped for the one. And I was reminded of how God is. And I was able to see God in the city and the heart of God and the heart of God in me. And it pulled on me that God sees the one And he stops the world for the one. 
and says, love is here. Whatever you need. The world has stopped, and I got what you need. It's right here. Whatever you need. So we can know of God. And we can have the wrong perceptions of God. But when we know God intimately, we take what he's given us and we invest it in the kingdom. I want to move on to Mark 11 for a moment. Mark 11:13 or 12. It says on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus had been on a journey with his disciples. He was going into Jerusalem. He was coming from Bethany. It says on the next day when they had left Bethany, he he became hungry and seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf He went to see if perhaps he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And they continued on their journey. They went into Jerusalem. And at night it says they left the city. And the next morning, they were going back into the city of Jerusalem. And in verse 20, it continues on, and it says, As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to his to the mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. God has given each one of us a measure of faith to use as we encounter people in our lives. Romans 12 says, for, though the, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. God is the only one who can expect the impossible out of us and out of his creation. Jesus was the only one that day that could walk up to that fig tree and expect to see figs in a season when it wasn't supposed to have figs. And let me challenge us that God is the only one that can expect the impossible out of you and out of me. Why is that? 
faith gives us access to the eternal realm where there is no impossibilities. Bill Johnson said that. Faith gives us access to the internal realm where there are no impossibilities. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus said that. Everything is possible for the one who believes. I want to raise my standard of living to the life of Christ. When I look at my life, I want it to measure up. I want to reach for the standard of living that Christ lived at. I want to walk as he walked. I want to say what he says. I want to do as he did. I've been going to school. Some of you may know that. Some of you may not. I've been taking some online courses. It's been a challenge. Schooling's been okay. That hasn't been the challenge. Well, kind of. When you're 50-something, going back to school is always kind of a challenge. I know. You you thought 29. (laughs) I love you. Um. But my classes are in psychology and Christian counseling. And it's been amazing how much cleanup work God has been doing right here. And right here. God has been setting me free. But what has been extraordinary is how God has been setting me up as I meet with people. I will, no kidding, learn something in class. And he'll deal with it here. And then I'll get a phone call or I'll get a text or I'll run into somebody somewhere. And no kidding, they're going through the exact same thing. And we'll walk together in freedom in that. It's divine encounter after divine encounter after divine encounter right now. God is so good, and he is so intentional. I mean, it's not just coincidence. It is weird. It is supernatural. It is doing the impossible in many times, in many places, because it's not me. And it's not by my power that people are finding healing and restoration. It's by the work that God has done in me and he does through me. Because I'm taking what he's given me. his possessions that he's given, his talents that he's given, and I'm giving them away. 
he's given me the bag full of talents, and I'm just simply reinvesting them into his kingdom. He may only give me one, but I give that one away. Then he gives me another one, and I'm giving it away. And when I was at Hope Place, this was one of the areas of ministry that God gave me the opportunity to use. I had the opportunity to pray with uh, and and just speak with some of the leadership there and some of the women there. And it was a wonderful opportunity. It's just a beautiful place to get to be and to get to, to enjoy just giving what God has given me. And in return, I received as well. It's the beauty of God's kingdom. Only God can ins- and expect the impossible because nothing is impossible for those who believe. Mark 16 says, He said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. We go to use the talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts he has given us to embrace the city. He sends us to go with us. His commissioning is the ability to carry out the command to go. That was the plan all along. He sends us to go with us. We are God in the city. We represent him. God is in the city when we are in the city. I want to ask you today, take a moment. I want you to hold out your two hands right in front of you. I want you to take just a moment to focus on your two hands. I want you to look at me, although I'm pretty good looking this morning. I want you to look at your two hands. And I want you to consider for a moment what is in your hand. What is it that you hold in your hands? Are you holding things that don't belong there? Have you picked up things along the way that are keeping you from doing what needs to be done? Are you holding on to to misconceptions of who your master is? 
Maybe you haven't joined hands with the master yet. Know that he loves you. And he sees you. He wants for you to grab hold of his hand. For those of you who know Jesus, the master, what has he placed in your hands? I'm reminded of Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Old Testament was was commissioned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was in a shambles. The walls had been torn down. The city was desolate. Some of you remember us talking about the documentary on Seattle's dying last week. Some of you have seen it about the condition, the homeless condition, the drug epidemic of Seattle. Seattle is dying. We talked about that last week. Well, at this point in time in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was dying. The walls were broken down. The city was in desolation. And God had commissioned Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. And against much hardship and persecution, Nehemiah began to rebuild the walls. And he had a lot of things going on, a lot of enemies. And Nehemiah says, after looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and everyone else. He said, don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your brothers your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. A little further down it says, And we went back to the wall and went to work. The common laborers held a tool in one hand and a spear in the other. What are you holding in your hand today? We have a city to rebuild. Because God is in the city. G.L. Moody said, It is amazing what God can do with one man or one woman who will be fully committed to him. With your hands in front of you, I just want to close us out in prayer. Father, we just thank you that nothing is impossible with you. We thank you that the plan all along was that you go with us, that you are with us, that the possessions we have are those that you have given us to rebuild your city, to rebuild and invest in your kingdom. Father, and we hold our hands to you, Father, we thank you for what you've given us. Father, I just commit this word to you and I ask that you would speak to each one wherever they're at in this journey. By the power of your spirit to seal your word upon their heart. Strengthen your church. May your will be prosper on the earth here. May it be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. 
We give you glory, Lord Jesus. Bless your people as they go this week, Father. Meet their needs in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.